G'day Aussie Gridiron fans and welcome to G'day Gridiron and we are officially at mid-season for the 2022 NFL season. We've uh, uncovered a lot of bad teams, um, a lot of good football, a lot of exciting football. The NFL is possibly at its most balanced that it has been in many, many years Uh, and we've had some We've had some firings, some coach firings, and I think we'll start with that today. The biggest news of the week so far coming into our recap episode, and that is Colts firing Frank Reich, their head coach after four and a half seasons uh, in an almost 500 record, essentially, with 40-33 record with the team. Um, Since unbelievably firing him, uh, which nobody thought they would do, but everyone thought that they should do. Uh, Manjot, firstly, the firing of Frank Reich before we get on to the, the hiring, because obviously that's already happened. That happened in a heartbeat after Frank Reich was announced that, that he was out. <laughs> yeah, good day in, good day everyone. Look, that, that caught me by surprise a bit on Tuesday morning when I heard Frank Reich was gone. I thought... <laughs> Quite honestly, Frank Reich was going to stay out at least a whole season. Even Ursay came out and said a few weeks ago that, oh, yeah, uh, he's not in trouble. I think straight off the Matt Ryan was benched. He was like, ah, you know, he's not in trouble at all. But look, I think Frank Reich's time, he kind of wore out his welcome a bit with the Colts. That being said, I still think he's a pretty decent coach. It's just... It's just sometimes in football, the coach can wear out their welcome. I think this is one of those times they just kept trying and trying and trying to get Frank Reich, the right guys, especially a quarterback. But it never definitely, was. Definitely a, um, definitely a good offensive coach has been yeah. in the past. Um, and I dare say he'll get, he'll get another opportunity down the line uh, probably as an offensive coach again. Um whether he gets another opportunity as head coach, who knows? Spent a lot of time, and obviously he had um, a lot of issues, as you say, uh, at the Colts. Like he had seemed to have a new, a new QB every year, essentially, and was told that he has to make a Super Bowl run every year with a brand new QB, which seems kind of impossible. Um, yeah, that was a bit harsh, and on the Colts part, that's a, that's quite harsh of them to expect him and. I'd say even with the QBs, it was it's more Chris Ballard's fault. And I'm wondering, I mean, he's had a few good drafts, but I'm wondering how is he still in the job if if Frank Reich's already gone? I mean, I thought that they were pretty tied together in that regime, but then now only Reich takes the fall at this point. We don't know what will happen to Chris Ballard, but I think... It's just interesting. I think Reich is taking all of the blame now for what's happened to the Colts. It's just been constant failures by his front offices. And quite honestly, I think, sad to say, I mean, he got hard done by it, but it probably was a move that had to happen either way because he was he tried his he tried his best to get through all the quarterback drama. But yeah, quite honestly, he, he could have. I think there was a few holes here and there, even that offensive line, as as a lot of people have been talking about. That offensive line has been probably their most invested position in offense, and they haven't done well at all in this season. I mean, if you watch that game on Sunday, that offensive line was absolute garbage. That was probably the worst offensive line showing I've seen all season, conceding nine sacks to the Patriots' defense. This is a rookie quarterback who needs you to hold up in protection. And and you're conceding nine sacks. That's that's really sad. That that was just really sad to see. And I think, you know, watching that game, it was just it was tough. It was tough to see a guy like it was it's tough to see a guy like Ellinger just get failed by his offensive line, to be fair. It was a failing by his offensive line. Definitely. Uh, I think yeah, I think Ellinger has sort of been put into a, a really bad position here. 
um, not one to succeed, that's for sure, for a young QB, which is very harsh. Um, and sometimes that's the way it goes with bad franchises, unfortunately. But uh, as soon as as soon as uh, Jim Irsay and the Colts announced that uh, Frank Wright was out, it seemed that within half an hour he'd uh, announced that Jeff Saturday, uh, former ESPN, ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday, uh, and obviously former Colt um, was going to be interim head coach for the next for the last eight games of the season, uh, despite never coaching at an NFL or a college level at all. Um, his last gig was in high school in 2020, uh, which mm-hmm. surprisingly actually isn't the first time that that's happened in history, but it has been many, 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 many years since that has happened, um, which is amazing. So. Uh, who knows how Jeff Saturday is going to go? I reckon. I, I think. I uh, given the things that he's done in the past, um, Saturday, he. Uh, I think Jim Irsay is probably bringing him in there as more of a a CEO type role, where he'll probably lean on the people who have way more knowledge than he do, does about the NFL systems and levels, and probably just someone to manage the ship in a way. And um, steer it through the next, the rest of the season without too much more controversy. I guess you could put it. Yeah, it's it's a weird hiring. Just hearing that Jeff Saturday gets hired as the interim head coach. I was like, firstly, he played center in the NFL with the Colts mainly, thirteen seasons with the Colts. He was he's a pretty good center, probably one of the best centers of the two thousands. And look, I mean, the on field, he was he was a pretty smart blocker. In the centers, I mean, center is where the quarterback of that offensive line, pretty much. And yeah, yeah, yeah they have to know. Sport. They have to know everything. The center has to know everything a QB does. He has to know what the defense is doing. He has to read the defense, tell the rest of his O line. You know, sometimes tell the QB if you've got young QBs and remind them what's going on. Oh, my first thought about Jeff Saturday, though, it came straight back to that famous argument in that NFL Films segment with him and him and Peyton, and Peyton's like, just play fucking center. <laughs> I was just, like, thinking about that. Just th- That was the first thought. I don't know why. I'm like, oh, is Peyton going to be running the shit behind the scenes because Jeff Saturday just got to <laughs> pay – play center right he just you never know could have been we paid him to make the calls i think that's what the whole quote was Payton was like oh i'll be the one making the play calls you just play fucking center and then yeah i just think i just think that that was the first thought that came into my mind was that clip and i was like wait is Payton involved in all this wait wait what's going on (laughs) yeah Yeah. look I, i i think you'll lean on others in that in that um in that organization in terms of who can do what um and already i guess we've seen that they've already announced the office offensive play caller because that was one of the first questions was who's going to call plays because obviously frank reich was calling plays and we fired an offensive coordinator just before that uh, a mm-hmm. few weeks ago as well so you had nobody in the office offensive side of the ball really that was left there um and i guess he came in and uh interviewed everybody and met everybody, some people for the first time uh, in the Colts. And then um, today, I think it was today, basically, he was, yeah. it was announced that um, that Parks Frazier, who was the assistant QB coach, um, has also had some defensive quality control positions uh, at Sanford and Middle Tennessee. Uh, so it comes out of Sanford's system, which is pretty big mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yeah. He was assistant to the head coach at the Colts when he arrived there. He was the offensive quality controller at the, for the Colts in 2020 and assistant quarterbacks coach up until right now when he has been announced as the offensive play caller. So I think we'll see a lot more of that. Maybe it'll be given some, maybe it'll be given some younger guys a bit of a go while while uh, Jim Irsay wants to clean out house, you know, maybe they'll get rid of some guys and then um, give some younger guys a bit of a go for the rest of the season and see how they see how they go, see how they produce. Yeah, I feel like for some reason this can turn out one of two ways. I think 
with Saturday, he could be a pretty, pretty good guy in terms of heart. I mean, we see Dan Campbell, for example, a guy who might not be the smartest X and O's sort of guy, but his passion comes through. His players want to play for him. I think Jeff Saturday, he can be that sort of guy. That's just what I'm feeling. That's probably the best he can do in terms of play calling and being head coach is just being the the player's guy. He wants to rally the troops behind their team and just get them on the field doing the best. And, of course, we're just talking about offensive line, how they can see a nine sacks on Sunday. It was terrible. And I think Jeff Saturday can bring some experience to that line. I mean, they still got Quinton Nelson, some of these other guys they've invested heavily in on. So they've got they've got some good offensive linemen there, the Colts. They just gotta figure out how to play, how to block in that line. I think that's exactly what Saturday can bring, that sort of experience to that line. And look. Look, Parks Fraser, he's he's going to be an interesting hire as well. Again, another guy with not much experience. So we don't really know much about him. But like you said, his resume, there is some some good qualities about him. He's just got to do some play calling because, man, yeah. they need a play caller now. <laughs> yeah, it, they do. It's, I think they've just, thrown, they've just thrown Frank Reich away and have no, no real plan. But if this pays off, I, I don't know. Like, either way, this could... I just feel like envisioning a Disney movie about this situation <laughs> one day where where it's like an ESPN analyst gets coerced to be a head coach and then he becomes a head coach and either it becomes like a comedy where he's just absolutely inept at his job or it becomes like a true story where it's like, you know, the Disney coach is just like rallying the troops and they're just going to get more than like six wins and for the rest of the season and all of these things. Like, yeah, you know, it can go one or two ways. I think it would just be either another comedy of errors for the Colts or they'll actually get something out of Jeff Saturday and this new regime, new mid-season regime. Yeah, it's a weird sure. time. For sure, it definitely is. Uh, and other news, uh, Panthers announced they fired cornerbacks coach Evan Cooper and defensive line coach Paul Pasqualani. Um, more firings from the Panthers, and I think it's again, it's another franchise that seems to be cleaning house uh, and has a very high expectation um, of what, should be coming out of that um, out of that organization. Um, yeah, mid-season retool for them as well. Yeah, I mean, there's not much you can do mid-season. It is what it is. The, the schemes are there. The players are there. People are going to play how they play. It's only it's only going to be a bit of a. Sometimes you get a bit of a, a bump with the new person, like a bit more a new energy or something. Maybe team rallies around the people or the personnel. You know, who knows. It's just how it is. Um, quarterback Sidney Jones expected to sign with the Raiders uh, this week, which will probably happen most likely. It's been leaked fairly heavily, so seems like that's going to happen. Uh, the Raiders also cut former first-round safety Jonathan Abram. I would expect that he would get picked up reasonably quickly now that he's out in the waiver wire. Um, I know they, they did try and shop him around um, in reports before the trade deadline. Obviously, didn't get... Uh, anyone come and hunting or asking questions for him. Just is what it is. Mm. Um, <clears throat> a couple of injuries out of the weekend, uh, which we'll sort of talk about. The main one, obviously, Josh Allen has a UCL injury, the severity of which is still to be determined. I think they went for some MRIs and stuff. There's apparently some um, some issues with the nerves. I don't want to say nerve damage, but some issues, which means you have to get MRIs. Uh, and I think they went for a second opinion. Um, <clears throat> early in this week. Uh, so that's going to be interesting with the Bills playing the Vikings this weekend with uh, two 7-1 teams. So to see what comes out of that. Also, probably the first real big test for the Vikings. Um, up until now, I think it's the first lot of uh, winning teams, I guess, that they're playing since they played the Eagles way back in round two. Mm. Um, Rashawn Gary tore his ACL. Unfortunately, he is out for the year. As with most ACL injuries, they're always horrible. Never a great thing um, for any professional player. 
And Tess on Aaron Jones's ankle have come back negative. He should be good to go next week, which is obviously a great huh? thing for yep. the Packers. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's been a mixed week for the Packers. The defense, of course, Rashawn Gary. Yeah, that's a huge loss for him and the defense out there. Just he was he was having a pretty decent season on that defensive line, and unfortunately, it's come to an end. So hopefully, he has a good recovery. Josh Allen, that's a huge injury. I mean, look, as hopefully it's not a full tear or anything. I think you're saying nerve damage, wasn't it? So yeah, it's not... they said nerve damage. It's also it is a UCL, which is a really tricky one in the elbow. It's right in between the joint and the elbow. Um, it's right, right, right in your elbow joint essentially. Um, yeah. Lots of baseball pitchers get it. Um, Tommy John surgery. Kind of, yeah, it's all Tommy John surgery. If that's if it does go that bad, which is really bad. Tommy John surgery essentially is 18 months. So that's yeah. going to put um, Josh Allen obviously out for this this season and then probably most of next season. Um, but most people who have Tommy John surgery come back better than they were prior to the injury as well. Mm. So, I mean, we've seen Josh Allen already throwing 70-yard bombs downfield. The dude's probably going to be able to throw 100 yards if he has to have Tommy John surgery. You're unleashing it like an elastic band, I think. <laughs> yeah um, it's it's yeah it's a difficult situation i mean look the window for the bills kind of is wide open right now so not only a postponement for this year but next year for super bowl yeah. run if you're gonna trust the backups i think matt barkley's the backup for them so if you're gonna be oh, trusting... they've got um they got case keenum oh yeah they're gonna trust so... case I mean, Case did go in that Super Bowl, well, NFC Championship run with the Vikings in 2017. So anything could happen. I mean, Diggs was his teammate too. So, yeah. So can so you imagine, can imagine this week, if, if Josh Allen's definitely out for this week, this game against uh, against the Vikings, it'll be Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs back against the Vikings. Yeah, that's, that's bringing back some memories. 2017. An amazing story in itself, really, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was a pretty good it was a pretty good um season that one very great moment the Min- Minneapolis miracle and of course yeah I remember yeah. it well <laughs> yeah me too me too I remember it it was great yeah all right well uh let's get into some big games from the weekend um some big ones we saw uh we may as well keep pushing on with some Bills talk while we're already there talking about Josh Allen of course. One of the big games, one of the really fun games to watch from the weekend, um, especially the finish, uh, was the Bills taking on the New York Jets. And the New York Jets coming out victorious in a three-point win, a three-point thriller against the Bills, 20-17. Uh, to 17. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a close game. Obviously, AFC East rivals. Um, the second half was, was a crazy close game, wasn't it, Major? Yeah, I mean, the Bills, they started off really well. Josh Allen, a couple of rushing touchdowns. He he was pretty he was pretty great very early on. And then the Jets just clawed their, clawed their way back towards the end. And, yeah, it was a very it's very fun game to watch between these two because you've got a lot of rivalry, AFC East. The Jets, they wanted to show that they were a legitimate team. I mean, a lot of us pretty much wrote them off after – that Brees Hall injury, people are like, oh, the Jets are going to be falling down. But look, I think the Jets are a legitimate team. I said it a few weeks ago. I'm going to repeat it again. The Jets are a legitimate team. They are, they are turning up in these big games. And the Bills, yep. yeah, a bit of worry worry signs, I think. So I don't, I don't the, know too much about I don't know too much about worry. I wouldn't worry too much about it. But both their losses have been in the division. That's a bit of a they have worry. Been. That is a that is a worry because it's in, going to be hard to get out of that division when you're you're zero and two down. Um, yeah, the tiebreak is huge, especially with the Jets at six wins. You've got the Dolphins are right up there with both of them as well. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of factors in the AFC East, and division wins are going to be very important for the Bills and. They've dropped both of their losses in the division, so those are like killer losses for me. I think, I think the Jets really showed their worth here at the yep. end as well in the the their last drive, um, which really won them the game. So they were obviously both teams were tied at seventeen, and, and just on that, 
We talked about it briefly earlier. Uh, what a crazy week. Um, there were three games all tied at 17 all with two minutes mm. to go, um, all in the first window, all at the same time this week. Um, and all three finished 20 to 17. It's just insanity. Yeah. Um, and a crazy man. And in all, it's so many games in the first window and only two garbage games in the late window. It's just, NFL's going <laughs> to come on, up. Man. Anyway. Um, yeah, so the game tied at 17 all. Obviously, uh, Jets got the ball on their own four and they had uh, about eight minutes left, just under eight minutes left. Um, and they went down the field, uh, eight straight running plays, ended up on the Bills 18. Um against while well, the Buffalo defense was really, really tired, a uh, really weary defense. Um, Wilson connected with Denzel Mims for 12 yards on third and five, uh, but the, but then the drive basically stalled when Wilson was sacked by DeMar Hamlin uh, on third down. And then the Jets mm-hmm. basically got, handed it over to Greg Zerline, who potted a field goal to put him up 20-17. Um, yeah. Obviously gave Josh Allen the ball back at that point Given Josh Allen the ball back with um, a few minutes to go, you would expect that the Bills could be able to bring out something, um, possibly even a, a touchdown to, to really sort of take away the game. And I think we'd be talking about a whole different thing if the Bills had actually won this. Um, but then, yeah, holding call on Dion Dawkins wiped out a long pass that was to Stefan Diggs, um, which really would have put him in, in a good spot. And then... Strip sack Allen and uh, Buffalo recovered at 14 and essentially it's all over from there. So I think it was just that that Jets last drive which really showed what, they, what they're made of, what they're capable of, uh, how strong a team they can be as well. Yeah, I think, I think their defense did an amazing job as well. The Jets offensive line did a great job as well just not allowing Wilson to go down. He only went down for two sacks. So they did their Mm. job mostly stopping guys like Von Miller getting into the game that much. And then, of course, Wilson, I'm a bit bit concerned about his stats here and there, but he's doing enough to help them win. So there's... It's a bit of a, I mean, we always have this debate, me and a few friends, about our wins are QB status. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. It depends on the sort of situation. you got to look at it situation by situation basis. I think the Jets, they've really built a team where you have to run the ball more on that team. I mean, they've got the San Francisco system in there. So running the ball is definitely a thing. And I think, look, Wilson, he's just a second-year QB. He's still got time to prove himself. He had that major MCL injury coming into the season as well. So he's had a bit of a slow start. I think this is him just trying to pick up the pace. And I think eventually he's going to have to start winning some of these games by himself or mainly by majority of it credited to him. I think that's where that's where Wilson has to be in his development at some stage. But for now, the Jets, their defense is amazing. I mean, only like 17 to Buffalo. Sauce Gardner doing mostly a good job. Got an interception, seven tackles. He did he did pretty well against the Bills. His first test against Stephon Diggs didn't really allow him to do too much on him. So I think Sauce definitely is worth all the hype. Yet again, another great game by him. There was, yeah, the Jets' defense just were able to slow down a potent Buffalo offense. And I think they deserve a ton of credit, as usual, that they always usually get now because, yeah, that Jets defense has been great all year. But, yeah, for the Bills, yeah, yeah just, yeah, the Allen injury hopefully hopefully is just a nerve damage, not a UCL tear or anything because, as I said earlier, that would be a real killer blow. But, yeah, a couple of losses inside the division. I think pretty much last second losses as well. So, yeah, it was just too hard for them to move the ball in that final drive where Allen fumbled it. Again, Jets defense doing well right there. But, yeah, some of these things, I mean, Allen even put the loss on himself. He said the quarterback didn't even play that well. So, yeah, I feel like it was a bit of an over-reliance on Josh Allen this game. I think eventually when Naheem Hines comes in and does more work, I think that's going to ease the load off the Bills. But for now, 
they're they're just gonna find a right balance between Allen and the other like the running backs and the run game. They've got to find that balance. I don't think it's quite there yet because the run game hasn't done enough to show me that they can consistently support Allen. So there's another bit of concern. I mean, the Bills' defense was pretty pretty good. I'd I'd say this week as well. So yeah, yeah. I think both defenses were good. Jets offense slightly better than Bills offense, so that's 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 why they got the win. Yeah, yeah, and of course, as we talked about, the Bills take on the Vikings uh, in, coming up in Week Ten, um, oh. which will be a big game. The Bills, I wrongly said it earlier. Bills obviously now at uh, six and two, Vikings at seven and one. Uh, big mm-hmm. test for the Vikings, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Jets obviously go to a bye. In week 10, which is a timely spot for them. But as you say, um, uh, Wilson really needs to start showing that he can win games. Um, and he's really going to have to show that. Obviously, week 11, they come out of the bye with a big matchup against the Patriots, another divisional, big divisional matchup. So if they can win that one after getting the, this win over the Bills in the division, they're going to be right up there at the top of the division, um, probably putting themselves in a good spot to even take first place in the division now that they've mm. got that tiebreaker over the Bills. So, yeah, it's it's going to be yeah. interesting. Yeah, that AFC East race, I mean, there, there's three great teams out there in the AFC East. I mean, the whole AFC just the whole seeding will be interesting to watch down the stretch here in the second half of the season. Can't wait to see how this one plays out for the East. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to our next big game. Uh, and we are going to Chicago where the where Tua Tungavailoa held two thumbs up as he walked off the field following another big performance against the Chicago Bears, uh, helping the Dolphins Go, win over there 35-32 uh, in what was an absolute shootout. Probably it, probably the highest scoring uh, and best. Was it the highest scoring one the weekend? I'm pretty sure it was the highest scoring I think one it the was the highest scoring, yep. yeah. So uh, I got that prediction wrong. That's and a sure. huge – it was a game that showed uh, – it was a game that showed a lot of a lot of Dolphins play that we've been used to being seeing, a lot of the flashing stuff from – uh, Tua, who threw three touchdowns. Um, Tyreek Hill had 143 yards receiving. Um, and, yeah, the, the huge games by everybody on that side. But it also showed um, how far Justin Fields and the Bears have come um, and the fact that they are still in it and want to keep games exciting. Um, they're obviously three and six at the moment, their record. Um but they, they're just they're still there. They want to. They're showing resilience, showing they still want to play football. They're not just prepared to lay down for uh, any big opponent anymore. Um, Justin Fields, of course, as most will have heard by now, Fields had a uh, NFL regular season um, uh, massive 178 yard rushing game. Um, it's the highest ever by a QB beating the regular the previous, season. Yeah. In the regular season, so yeah, beating the previous high of 173 for Michael Vick, who uh, I think everybody remembers as probably the epitome of rushing QBs um, yeah. or some of his legs. Yeah, so obviously it only narrowly, only narrowly missed out on the the overall record, which was uh, Colin Kaepernick, which is 181 yards for the 49ers in a playoff victory over Green Bay in 2012. I'm I sure remember that one. Remember that very <laughs> yeah. fondly. I remember uh, that one. Yeah, I think I was watching Shades of Kaepernick right there in Fields yeah. this week because, <clears throat> yeah, just yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Ian. But no, go Fields. Like that was an amazing performance. I thought by Justin Fields. I think he's definitely showing that mobile QBs are are definitely the way of the future at this point. A guy can not only affect the game by his arm, but by his legs as well. And his legs were deadly this week. He had three passing touchdowns and 123 passing yards too. Don't even forget the three passing touchdowns in this sort of stat line because the run game by him was just so dominant that we forget he still threw for three touchdowns. It was it was a great performance by Fields. I thought 
I thought I saw quite a lot of signs of why I wanted him to go to the Niners at pick three in, in the 2021 draft. I thought he was definitely going to the Niners. He became a Bear instead. The Bears got a good one. They just need to invest a ton more in him. I think definitely the Chase Claypool signing. It, I mean, he only had two catches, 13 yards. It's first game. It's first game. So he he still was he's still in a good investment, I think, for the Bears. And I think Fields is really going to feed off some of these um, new targets from Claypool. He's got Mooney still. He got to- who got a touchdown. Cole Komet, the tight end, got two touchdowns off him. So I think he's still trying to spread the ball as much as he can. I think they found a good one in fields. I think that's where the Bears... Yeah, it's just he needs a bit more help. I think he was definitely trying to do it all towards the end of the game. He's trying to do absolutely everything. I mean, there was a bit of a missed P.I. on third down at the end of the fourth down. Equinibius sent Brown dropping that that one, but yeah, not much defense in this game, to be honest. I mean, the Bears no. didn't even have a sack in this one, so or an interception. I thought I thought Tua played really well too. I mean, in the in the whole wash of fields, having a great day. Tua had an amazing day too, 302 yards and three touchdowns. I thought him and Tyreek. They're just a deadly combo, and I was—I I remember I was just sitting there last night. I was just thinking about about Tua and Tyreek. I was like, Tyreek's got to be up there in the conversation for best wide receiver in the NFL. He's on pace for over two thousand yards, which hasn't been done. By he's number anyone. one. He's he's number one in receiving yards at the moment. Yeah, by, by big margin too. Yeah, he's up. I think by two hundred fifty, three hundred yards, he's up mm. on the next guy. So. I think Tyreek, he's going to be, he's got to be in the conversation because the way he affects games, I mean, I think a lot of the bias is on him being a deep threat. We saw like Deshaun Jackson throughout his career. He's been very inconsistent. I think a lot of people have the same sort of perception about Tyreek Hill. I mean, there's some games on the Chiefs where he, I mean, there's some weeks where he'd just go off and other weeks he wouldn't be there at all because he'd be game planned out. I think in his final season at the Chiefs, the, the, he got figured out pretty much. So I think a fresh start for him, it, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good for the Dolphins. They they got a good one in Hill. They managed to use him in this in all these unique ways, not only going deep. He's been going more intermediate routes, more slant routes, catch and run sort, sort of situations. I think he's him and Tua have definitely got some amazing chemistry there. I think they definitely deserve a lot of credit, the Dolphins. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, they're overpaid for Tyreek when Tua couldn't throw down the field. But Tua, he's been to everyone's, everyone's probably been wrong about him. That's what I'm saying. To everyone's discredit, Tua's been absolutely incredible. He's he's just gone to another level this year, Tua. And I think for sure, Tua. I've got to give my credit to him. I was definitely high on him coming into the year more than others. But, yeah, he's definitely proved me right. I mean, Jalen Waddle still had a good game as well. Five catches, 85 in the touchdown. So two great wide receivers. The running backs even, they're all getting involved at Miami. Every mouth is getting fed in the backfield and in the receiving game. The way this offense is running, very dynamic. I'm very excited by yeah. the Dolphins as well. Absolutely, mate. Don't yeah. any more about what you said. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> You've summed that up perfectly. I just I don't have any more. Right. Well, let's let's move on. In that case, to probably the biggest game of the weekend, uh, which was in the right time slot, in the correct time slot, and Sunday night football, uh, and it was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes finishing. 43 of an amazing 68 attempts and for 446 yards and a TD. Uh, he also ran for the tying score and two-point conversion late in the fourth quarter before Harrison Butker uh, put the go-ahead field goal in overtime, lifting the Chiefs to a 2017 victory over the Titans. Uh, an amazing game. It went right down, right down to the wire, which is what you want from mm. uh, 
Sunday night football, primetime football. Um, and also, I mean, it's Chiefs again. Andy, Chiefs and Angie Reid and improved now to 21-3 and three coming off a bye, um, which is an amazing stat. You just you do not want to face the Chiefs after a bye, it would seem. Um, yeah, it was a great game, really fun to watch. Uh, and it had everything, everything we sort of predicted too, I think. Derrick Henry was really chewing up the yards and pushing hard against the, the KC defence. Um, and the Titans were shutting down Mahomes in the fourth quarter. It was just all over the place and a really fun game to watch. Yeah, it was a, it was a great game. And I thought it's a real tale of pretty much the last five minutes versus the first 55 minutes because I thought the Titans did an amazing job in this game. And for anyone that's – I think a lot of people just don't look at the Titans as this sort of top-tier team. Because they don't have the flashy playmakers at quarterback at at sort of any position other than Derrick Henry on the offense. I think everywhere else has just been completely sort of deficient. I mean, Derrick Henry, he's been he's been incredible. He's been going on a tear five plus five straight hundred plus yard rushing games. He's had two touchdowns rushing in three out of his last four games. He's put this team on his back yet again. I think I think the Titans were a bit I think I've got to criticize their coaching staff a bit because they went away from him towards the end of the game. I mean, I get it was like obvious passing situations at that point, but Henry should have been on the field. He should have been getting the ball. I don't understand why Don John Troll Hilliard was getting yeah, all of the that was a, that was a very strange thing to have Henry like you're in you're in overtime. Um, or yeah, sorry, you're in you're just before end of, end of fourth quarter. You've got to win a game. It's basically tied football almost just about at that point. Like you're in, and why is Derek Henry on the sideline? Like it doesn't make any sense. It, you're not going to, even if you don't use him for a rushing play, you've used him plenty as a receiver. Um, there's plenty of times when they, they've thrown um, underneath to, to Henry. He's chewed up a chunk of yards. He's taken on three or four guys. He's chewed time off the clock. He's done it time and time again. I don't understand the thought about having your best player sitting on the on the sideline at that point in an important game. Yeah, you could easily set up a screen 10 to 15 yards per screen if you get good blocking here and there. It's it's quite simple football they could have gone to. Malik yeah. Willis, he was 5 from 16 for 80 yards. So he, he had quite a few struggles. But if you saw his first play of the game... He just did an underneath pass to the tight end, and the tight end takes it for a good chunk already. So I think that's where Derrick Henry, he needs to be used more in the pass game, is they can get blockers out, and Henry just runs it. I mean, Hilliard, he's a good receiver, but he's not Derrick Henry in terms of running. I think you can use him in sort of, it's sort of like rushing the football, but you just throw it a bit. That's pretty much that's pretty much what we're trying to say here. Is it's yeah. a screenplay like that. It's just pretty much like a toss to the outside, but you're just throwing the football forward. That's it. And you get the blockers downfield. The blockers just got to stay disciplined and remain within a yard of the line. And look, Henry's off and away. I feel like that's the way they should do it. And look, the Titans' defense, though, they did, they did pretty well up until the end. I mean, they can see it a touchdown in the first half but towards towards the end of the game they did get a bit tired and that's where Mahomes came in because down the field all the all the passing lanes all of the passes to Kelsey to Juju they're all taken away Titans secondary I mean I pretty much criticized them last episode they really stepped up they, they pretty much stepped up because yeah Mahomes he was just he was just unable to get any of his passes away. And then once he figured out on the third down that he can run, and he ran again. It's just like the 2019 AFC Championship it was between just, these yeah, two teams. It was, the, it was exactly what he did then. It was he They stuffed him and stuffed him until he started running and using his legs, and then they try and defend against that, and then he goes back to what he does best in terms of making – such quick, amazing dart-like throws, and he just mm. destroys you. 
And then you, at that point, you don't know whether he's going to run or he's going to throw, and he confuses the defense. Um, and it just really, it really, that's what propels them forward. That's what it's, it's an amazing, there's some amazing stat lines in this. I can't believe the amount of yards for KC receiving. Um, and then Malik Willis, I guess, he's another one of those really, those young QBs that's just been thrown into um, a situation that he shouldn't have to be in. Um, at this point yeah. in his career, because he was he was never going to be that top level QB straight out of the gate, um, you know. So it, it is it's a it's a very unfortunate thing for him. I think if they had if the Titans had Ryan Tannehill in this game, um, they probably win it because I think they did everything right on the on the day to really be level with Kansas City, you know, and yeah. to keep them under things. They their defense did such an amazing job. Um, but their offense just cannot get, could not get going, really. Yeah, they need a quarterback as soon as possible at this point because, yeah, that's the one thing that's stopping the Titans, I feel like, is, is just a lack of a quarterback and, of course, a big dog receiver. I mean, A.J. Brown was quite that guy where you could dump it off to him. He'd get a few yards in the slant, but now he's at Philly. They, they don't have that sort of guy. I mean, Robert Woods... He hasn't really emerged that much. I mean, Malik, he, he just got to learn how to throw the ball away as well. Towards the end of that overtime, he just he just didn't throw it away quick enough. And yep. yeah, that's pretty much why that drive pretty much stalled because he just doesn't know how to throw the ball away. I think, I think that's a lesson that he's going to learn from this game is just yep. learn when to throw the ball away, when to yeah, just throw it downfield, try and throw it out of bounds, all of those sort of things, try and get quick passes. I think I think Mike Vrabel, though, he's done a good job where he's he's motivated the team enough that he can he can really get them to work together well and they can even contend with the top teams. I think there's a lot to take away that's good from the Titans. I think just talking to a few Titans fans, Taylor, for example, he said that's probably one of the happiest he felt after a loss. And I, I can't blame him because there, there's a lot of good signs from the Titans, but the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and they, they're always going to be contending. Mahomes yep. probably the front runner for MVP at this point. I mean, that's been changing every week, that term, front runner for MVP. But I think at this point, Mahomes has to be because the, the job he's done this year, he's just been, he's been incredible. No Tariq, no really just been relying on Kelsey mostly as his top target, but then he's been spraying the ball around. He's still the same guy. Now he beats you with his legs. He gets a touchdown running and then the two-point conversion along with that big third down play. You don't know how to defend him still. He's definitely going to be the... He's definitely looking like this generation's sort of goat in this category. He's just He's just incredible. I think yeah, he'll, eventually his, stat, his stats when he when it's all said and done, his stats are going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I think he'll have he'll have Tom Brady esque stats in probably a shorter time frame um, yeah. than Tom Brady's twenty plus years. You know, so yeah, he's um, pretty much yeah. like the Steph Curry of the of the NFL. Way he's changed <laughs> yeah. the game. I guess you could he's say, put yeah. into the future really now. <laughs> yeah, all deep now. <laughs> All team, all team. Yeah, it's been great. And obviously, so um, Titans taking on the Broncos next week, uh, which will be um, a bit of a big matchup for them. Something they really need to get right in. Um, they really need to, to they really, really need to win that. They really need to put it away yeah. against the Broncos so that they can push forward to six and three um, and still maybe have, I don't know, something to do in that division. I don't know whether they're going to be able to or not. Um, and the Chiefs take on the Jags, uh, mm. which will hopefully be a another absolutely massive offensive shootout. Um, fingers crossed. We get the best of both QBs in that game um, and and we get a, a huge score. We get 60-plus in that game. It'll be amazing. So, um, yeah, especially after the way the Jags played this week as well. So, um, righto, well... Hey, mate, what about the big predictions for our, our, our big predictions for week nine? We had some, I reckon, I haven't added them up, but I'm not going to. I reckon you're about 
500 for this this week. I reckon you've had a not bad week. About 500 now is not bad. Yeah, I, I got I got nine wrong but five right. So that was that's pretty good. Five out of fourteen. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's good. So you got the Chiefs. Chiefs win one seven. You got the Seahawks seven plus, which was obviously a big one. Seahawks having a um an absolutely massive game against the Cardinals where they absolutely just demolished them. Um, yeah. I also picked that one, Seahawks seven plus. It was plus. quite close actually towards towards the third quarter, and then they pulled away the Seahawks. Another yep. good win by them. So on top of the West, they're definitely solidifying their lead after that one. So. Yeah, the Seahawks going to be hard to catch in the West out there. You did have you had three hundred. Would you have three hundred and three hundred yards and three TDs for Gino? Oh. Got close. He got close. Yeah, yeah. twenty six to thirty four, two hundred seventy five yards and two TDs in an interception. Um, you know that's pretty close. Gino got pretty close, so you're not far off with that one. Yeah, um, I was quite close to a few of these this week. Yeah, there was, there was quite a few predictions where it's just like, oh, he needed a touchdown. Oh, he needed like 10 more yards. Yeah, yeah I missed so out on more with that one. I had I had DK with 70 yards and a TD, and he only ended up with 39 yards. Come on, um, and Tariq Waller with, with an interception, which I'm really disappointed he didn't get an interception. I think um, he's going to fall backwards in that ranking if he doesn't get a hurry on there. Yeah, um, CJ got the lead. CJ got the Johnson on Thursday Night Football. Yeah. <laughs> did he did he definitely did? Uh, Ravens, you had Ravens one to seven. Oh. Um, of course, the Ravens did win twenty seven to thirteen yeah. over the Saints. Absolutely demolished the Saints. Saints with a late um, TD in the fourth quarter to make the score look a little bit more respectable. But apart from that, it was a absolute what just washed by the Ravens. They just destroyed them. Um, you missed out with Justin Tucker with three field goals. I oh, got uh, two. Damn. And, and he got two, and he was proven that he's not a robot because he was about a meter and a half to the right of the goalpost for once, mm. instead of straight down the middle. So Justin Tucker definitely is not a robot. We all know that now. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had with, a seventy yard. He had a seventy yeah. yard in warmups, which is cool. Oh, in warmups, I know seventy yard. He's got this new technique he's been working on. Now where he's got this little <laughs> skip step at the start of it, which he says gives him more power. But man, Jesus Christ! Um, Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. You had Lamar for 70, 70 plus rush yards. Yeah, uh, which happened, of course, because it's Lamar. Um, I missed out on the Ravens win one seven, and oh. Murray Davis and Jam- Cameron Jordan. I had a sack each. Murray Davis got one, didn't he? I think it was Cameron yeah. Jordan. Didn't. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> They, but that game was pretty interesting to watch. For, it was. It was. I mean, just watching Lamar pretty much, just as a big Lamar fan, I was, I was pretty happy by his performance. He was, I think it was, what, the first QB to have 100 pass touchdowns and 4,000 4, rushing yards in a five-season span. And to my, to, that's pretty much what I saw from Lamar, that, that record. Yeah, that's right. That was the record. So 4,000 rushing yards, 100 plus passing TDs. First QB to do that in a five-season span. Isaiah Likely stepping up there instead of Mark Andrews. So, yeah, they've had a few receiving concerns. I think I think definitely if they can get in the Odell sleepstakes and try and sign Odell, that's going to really bolster up the Ravens because they just lost Rashad Bateman for the season, why not take a chance on Odell? Just took a chance on Deshaun Jackson. I think Deshaun Jackson, though, I was watching a few of his plays. He's really clearing some space when he goes deep, and I think that's going to be that's going to be key for Lamar. Just I think Deshaun Jackson, that signing is going to be pretty good if he can get as much production out of Deshaun as he can. That's going to clear space for guys like Mark Andrews, guys underneath like Devin Duvernay. I think. Definitely, Deshaun Jackson was a good signing from what I've seen after one game. It's it's looking like they know how to use him. I, I want to see a bit more, though, before I can say it was a good signing. But I, I think the Ravens, they just can't stop here. They need to get Odell at this point. He's almost cleared. I think by the end of the week, they'll, they're saying he's going to be cleared full go for 
him. The Ravens have a bye week. Why not sign Odell, get him to learn the playbook over a week, and then you know get him in there as soon as he's ready, which might be in the next week or so. So, yeah, just, yep. just putting it out there. He should be considered by them. Absolutely. A uh, couple more. We'll run through them quick. We've got a bit of a hard out today, um, so we better move. <laughs> You've got yeah. to, We're recording this a day later. This is Manjot's Fantasy Day. Uh, we're going to get moving. I'm going to get the kid to bed, <laughs> so we need to keep moving. Uh, yeah, Chargers Falcons is highest scoring game of the week. It wasn't. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was only 37, 67. I just added up 67 points in that um, uh, in that Dolphins Bears game. It was so 67, huge. Um, so that was definitely the highest one. Romeo Dobbs. Oh, unfortunately, Romeo Dobbs was injured in the Packers' loss, the Packers' fifth loss in a row for the season, losing to the Lions. Huge game for the Lions. Well done to the Lions. Um, Upset of the week, Ethan? Would you say? Oh, sorry. Upset Upset of the week, week, definitely. Yeah. Definitely upset of the week. Um, Yeah. Lions get a win. I picked that. Ha. No more sad Dan Campbell. Yeah. Um, He was pumped up. So it it was great to see. It was a big win for the Lions. It was. It wasn't that exciting a game. Um, Packers really just fell over themselves more than the Lions won that game, um, and they've got some real issues that they need to figure out. And now they're down. I think they had five injuries on the weekend. Um, yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna be tested severely at depth when they've already been um, tested in quality so far this season. And they got the Cowboys coming up. Yeah, and they've got a big game in the Cowboys. That is going to be a demolition if they can't figure that out this week. So, Man, Aaron Rodgers usually owns them, but it's tough. He usually owns the Lions, and yeah, the Lions are destroying him. This might be the first time in maybe three decades that the Bears have a better quarterback than the Packers Mm, because Beals has been much better than what Aaron Rodgers has done this year. So I'm definitely prepared to say it. The Bears are going to have a better quarterback than the Packers for the first time in three decades this season. And I think that's pretty safe. Maybe, that's pretty safe bet. That is <laughs> maybe even into the future because Jordan Love, we don't know how he'll be. The Packers, they're probably going to roll Rogers another year. Then we'll see what happens. I think he's contracted until the end of next year, and then yeah. he's he's gone. Probably maybe gone, maybe not. Free agency, all of that drama. We don't know. I think Aaron Rodgers, he's probably overstayed his welcome at Green Bay. I think the receiving talent's not there for him, though, but there's still some good guys there. Just seven interceptions, though. He's I think he's tied, what, fifth or something with seven ints. So that that's something we don't see. That's very un-Aaron Rodgers-like. It's I think very, he probably... Yeah. Missing has- throws, under-throwing throws. It's very un-Aaron Rodgers-like. It's just a weird season. It's going to be them, though, moving on from Rodgers is going to be much like the Patriots trying to move on from Tom Brady. It's going to be a very big thing, um, very big story. And who knows what's going to happen because I can't imagine he's he feels like he's finished playing the game either. So who knows what will happen. Yeah, it's been ages since he's had seven ints. The last time was 2016. Yeah. He yeah, had nine interceptions combined in his two MVP years the last couple of years. So. And he's already got seven now. See, yeah. like that's crazy, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? All it's right, bad. let's roll on through. Let's roll on through to Manjot's pastry performer, team of the week for week nine. Manjot, you want to uh, roll us through this quickly? Yeah, we're, we're running short of time, apparently. So, yeah, Patriots yeah, Performer Team of the Week, of course. <laughs> we are. I really do need to move, so we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, Patriots Performer Team of the Week for Week 9. Of course, sponsored by Patriots Press NFL. Yeah, just just getting a few coughs out there. But, look, firstly, quarterback Justin Fields, of course, not only doing it with his arm, but with his legs as well. Be. Yeah, had to be hundred without many rushing yards. That kind of record has to be. <laughs> yeah, and then running back, of course, you had to go with Joe Mixon after that four rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, hundred fifty three rushing yards, fifty eight receiving yards. Man, he killed me in fantasy. This you ba- <clears throat> you wrote that down after that game, didn't you? You didn't wait for the rest of the games to play out. <laughs> Eh? Yeah, and that, that was wasn't that mostly first half or or first three quarters? Like he didn't do anything. Yeah, he had four rushing 
I think he had three rushing and one receiving in the first half. Then he had a rushing touchdown in the third. Yep. <clears throat> then they took him out. Yeah, well, my, my throat's just dying there. But anyway, yeah, Mixon, I think it's 55.3 PPR fantasy points. So definitely he was he was on a tap. He had him in fantasy, which I did in a couple of leagues. You'd be pretty happy today. You probably won your matchup. <clears throat> then Derrick Henry, Marvel running back, 17 carries, 115 rushing yards, two rushing TDs. Wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, seven catches, 143 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Then you got Devontae Adams, again, another dude who probably did well in your fantasy teams, 10 catches, 146 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. No, the other wide receiver I went with, Justin Jefferson, seven catches, 115 yards. A touchdown, of course, the gritty at the end of that touchdown. And tight end <clears throat> for Philadelphia's Dallas got it. Eight catches, 100 yards, and one touchdown. And the O-line, I went with the Falcons. They only allowed oh, yeah. three total pressures, according to PFF. I mean, two of them were sacks against the Chargers, which was a pretty good performance considering the Chargers have a good guy in Khalil Mack out there. So, yeah, Falcons, I thought they deserved a nod this week. <clears throat> then we're going over onto the defensive side. couple of big games, especially by Patriots. So there's going to be a few <laughs> Patriots. I'm going to warn you after that demolition they did in the Colts. Josh Uche being one of them. Six tackles, three sacks, deserves a spot here. Javon Hargrave for the Eagles. Seven tackles, three sacks, gets in the defensive tackle spot. The other one, and look, the Buccaneers in their big win against the Rams, Vita Vea, he was plugging up the middle, three tackles, two sacks. It's definitely stopping that Rams running game, especially towards the end there. And then the other defensive end spot, Danico Autry, three tackles, two sacks. I thought he did pretty well. Against Mahomes and those boys and the Chiefs. Matthew Judah on linebacker, six tackles, three sacks. I thought he was pretty, pretty good. For the Patriots, again, another dude with three sacks there. Linebacker the, in the middle, I went with Bobby Wagner, 13 total tackles and a blocked field big, goal. Big, big blocked field goal. <laughs> like he was on a trampoline over the top yeah. of the center. It was crazy. Completely legal because he didn't yeah. go. He didn't touch him at all. Feet yeah. up. It was just straight up in the air, knees to chest, right over the top. It was, a, it was just a ridiculous jump. If you Great haven't seen it, go and look at it. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and find a picture of that vertical. I think for the for the uh, the the actual picture for this season uh, this um show. I reckon. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be a good picture. Yeah, yeah, I mean that Buccaneers Rams game. I wish I could have time to talk about that one, but I'm gonna <laughs> move on. Yeah, because I, I had a lot of thoughts about that, but yeah, other linebackers fight one with Justin Houston. Three tackles, two and a half sacks, and an interception for the Ravens against the Saints. He really turned back the clock to about 2014 when he had that big year in 2014. I think Houston, just just on a side note, I think he's going to be pretty good for the Ravens down the stretch. I've seen a lot from him in the last couple of games, and I think, yeah, Houston, he's going to be pretty good. Now, cornerback, Sauce Gardner, seven tackles and an interception. Roger McCreary. For the Titans, I thought he did pretty good. He did concede a touchdown on the goal line to Miko Hardman, but he did get eight tackles and an interception. Most of the time, he's doing pretty well for the Titans there. Safeties, I went Kirby Joseph, the rookie for the Lions. He had 10 tackles, three passes defended, and two interceptions against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I thought he did an amazing job there against the Packers. High-flying, usually high-flying passing offense. And the other safety spot, your boy, Ian, to finish off the week. Yep. I, I go with Harrison Smith. Smith. Yeah, four tackles and a game-changing interception. Big yeah, interception it was. Changed the whole field. The Vikings scored a touchdown. Amazing catch by Dalvin Cook. Then eventually they get the game-winning field goal the next drive. The Vikings do a big win against Commanders after that interception. Huge, <laughs> huge. That was a big. That was a very big win for the Vikings. To uh, yeah, take us to seven and one uh, over the commanders. So massive, um, massive. Anyway, we roll on. We roll on. We roll on. We all roll on to week ten in the NFL. Uh, so good show, mate. Um, 
we'll be back uh, later in the week, probably yeah. Saturday. Uh, and I guess you can catch us on socials at G'day Gridiron on Instagram and Facebook. You can catch Manjot on Instagram at Pastry Press NFL. Uh, for all his thoughts, yes, he is back in full force for NFL game times. Um, yeah, we'll be answering more questions from you guys on there as well. So definitely getting some questions. We'll have a question post out there every week and I'll be re- responding to you all from my own beautiful voice and face apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on those Instagram reels, I'll reply to all of them for real, most of them for real, the best ones. So definitely yep. get in there and ask them. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's, it. That's, it. that's it for us. Jesus, I've really lost the, the speech thing right now Me anyway. So, all right, and uh, we will see you later on. Thank you, everyone.